This episode of the Airport Experience News podcast is sponsored by Airport Dimensions, or formerly Airport Lounge Development. Their common-use lounge satisfies the needs of the broadest audiences of passengers who are looking for an alternative to exclusive airline or credit card lounges. Airport Dimensions is an expert lounge solution provider for airports and airlines. Check out their many locations in airports such as Atlanta, DFW, Orlando, Seattle, Las Vegas, and more. For more information, visit airportdimensions.com. Thanks again for subscribing to the Airport Experience News Podcast. My name is Ramon Lowe. I'm the publisher of AXN and the host and producer of this pod. Let's just get straight to it. This is episode 62, and here I interview our director of the year in the medium airports category, Candice McGraw. She is of Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky International Airport. Um, just so you know, if you weren't already aware, we are recognizing Candice for her work in the October issue of AXN as she spoke with Andy Teljohn to discuss her work at the airport and in the industry. But on this pod, like in my interview with Luke Lyweiss of Asheville, who also is our Director of the Year in the small airports category, uh, Candace shares some personal stories and tidbits that many of you might not know. I truly enjoyed the interview and I believe you will as well. So here is my conversation with Candace McGraw. So I am joined by Candice McGraw, the CEO of Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport, and also the 2019 Airport Experience News Director of the Year in the Medium Airports category. Candice, thank you again for taking the time to speak with me. Oh, thank you for um, taking the time to talk with me, and thank you for the nice honor. Uh, like I said, congratulations again on the award. Uh, we are certainly honored to recognize you for all your achievements, both at CVG and with the industry. And for those listening, uh, Candace is currently featured in the October issue of Airport Experience News, which is out now. So, but uh, Candace, for this episode of the podcast, um, I'm going to forego focusing on your work at CVG because Andy Teljohn has already done a great job of that. Um, what I am interested in talking to you about is the foundation laying and the skill building that has resulted in the leader that you are today. And I know that uh, who we are is the sum of our many experiences. And personally, these are the stories I love hearing. So my first question to you is pretty standard. You know, just Can you just share about a little bit your background, your upbringing, and how your early life began laying the foundation for you as a person today? Sure, happy to. So um, my venture into the airport industry was sort of a little bit um, haphazard. I grew up in Pittsburgh and went to law school, and my my goal was to become involved in some government and somehow, right? I was one of those do-gooder kids who was going to go to Washington and change the world. And along the way, I met and married my husband in law school, and life intervened, and we decided we had to be adults, and I went to Cleveland, and I joined the city's law department in Cleveland. And um, as you may know, Cleveland is a municipally owned airport, and so the airport became one of my clients, and I just became more and more enthralled with the work and enjoyed it, and um, eventually moved over to the airport into a management uh, position there and had a variety of jobs there until I left in uh, the end of 2006. Was there something about government or just uh, that you were attracted? I know you said you wanted to do good. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, this this notion of public service has always been very important to me. I think it's a noble profession trying to figure out how do you best allocate resources for the benefit of all or the benefit of the majority of people. I, 
you know, it's just, it's just a higher calling that I've always felt. And it's so interesting to me. One of the reasons I love my job so much is it's a nice blend of sort of public and community service because you have a huge impact on, you know, the, the economic well-being of your community. But it's also like the, the fascinating business of running a complex um, global business, right? And so uh, to me, I've just found the sweet spot of a, of a profession I love. Now, I asked Lou Blyweiss of this question as well, and it was about uh, maybe an early job, not necessarily now, or, you know, that kind of, again, helped you, help lay the foundation with you as far as um, how you would approach things today. And he kind of mentioned how he was in sales, uh, things like that, before he eventually made his way into this area. But was there um, maybe an early job that kind of impacted you tremendously? Well, you know, I... Let's see, an early job. Oh, I've had all sorts of crazy jobs. Um, and what would be the most analogous here? So, you know, I, I've been um, interns in congressional offices. That was interesting. I've um, done mortgage foreclosures for a bank and then immediately went over and did a stint at the ACLU because, I, you know, I had, had to balance that out. Um, you know, I just very much into um, community-focused work, which I think, and also maybe around some political municipal environments, which has also been good training for this job. So would you go back and tell uh, a younger candidate to say, you know, this is the right track for you? Or would you do things? Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, a hundred percent. I, you know, I have, I have found a passion, something that I love to do. Very rarely does it feel like work. Although I have to say, um, I, you know, on my worst days or some days I've, I've told my children, both of whom are now, you know, grown and out of the house. I said, if I had to do it all over again, I'd be, uh, open up a gelato stand at Capri, right? Because who doesn't love gelato? Who doesn't want to be in Italy? And, uh, nobody ever complains, but instead, you know, I'll, I'll stay with this gig. It's a good one. <laughs> no, certainly. So you kind of answered this next question uh, a little bit earlier. You, it's, you seem to have said that you have, you had a rather circuitous route to the airport industry. Is that correct? And, and how, cause again, not many people think I get out of college, I'm gonna go straight for an airport. I, exactly. Right. I, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you were either, you know, what, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a firefighter, you know, those were sort of your standard career options. And, you know, I never thought about airport management as a career path, and it's a fascinating one. So law school made um, perfect sense to me, and it taught me great analytical skills. But when I realized, um, you know, this could be a career, it's, you know, the fascinating business, this airport stuff. It's complex, it's interesting, it's impactful, it's, you know, it's just something new every day. So, you know, I, I sort of stumbled onto the absolute right career for me. I mean, you're in essence managing this huge complex organism, right? <laughs> it is, right? You know, I, I think about CVG and I always, you know, I talk to folks about it being a city, right? We have 7,700 acres. You know, we have these three parallel runways and a crosswind runway that require all of this, you know, maintenance and usage. You have all of your stakeholders, right? You have your concessions, which are your main street and your police and your fire. It is just like running a small town and and then you layer on all of the um stakeholder 
um, interests and complexities and the federal government and those things, right? It's just, a, it's, it's really an intellectually challenging business. So, so you, there is a part of you that loves the choreography of that. Oh, it, it is. It's fascinating to me. I, you know, absolutely, absolutely love the choreography of it. And then, you know, the, the strategy of figuring out, all right, here's where we were, here's where we are now and where we're going. It, it's, Again, like I said, just completely intellectually challenging that, you know, gets you excited and you get to work with really interesting and fun people. Now, my next question is about mentors and their impact, because, again, Mm -hmm. whether you choose them or they choose us, I'm sure you've had many mentors along the way. So just share who they were and how they impacted your career or maybe you personally. So so maybe a few things Um, early on when I began my career in Cleveland, as I said, I started in the city's law department. And at the time, there was a woman named Jackie Schock, uh, who was running the Cleveland airport. And Jackie, um, after that went on and left and uh, ran the Roanoke airport until she retired within the last few years. But, you know, it was interesting to me, Jackie running the airport, she had been the airport's lawyer. So she took me under her wing and um, she was really a tough taskmaster, but she was a really good teacher. Um, in terms of learning the business, learning the legal side of things, because I was a fresh new baby lawyer to boot. Uh, So she was really very important um, in kind of helping me understand the business and the the things to look for, potential risks. So critically important. And it was great, uh, you know, right before she retired, we were able to get together and I was able to thank her for, for, being important. And it was so funny. She didn't even realize the impact that she had. Right. So, so many times people that we cross paths with, you don't know how you're going to influence somebody's lives or how their life is going to influence yours. So do you in turn now, whether you purposely or not, uh, return the favor in some ways or pay it forward in in some ways and, and mentor others? Yeah. You know, I, I try, right. I try a lot. We have a lot of really good, bright, um, younger folks here at the airport and, you know, as I kind of progress farther in my career or looking more towards the end of my career than I am at the beginning, I'm really focused on how you develop um, leaders going forward and how you can um, help position them. You know, so I have a conversation a lot with folks here about, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How can we help you? And, you know, be it whether they stay in aviation or other things. You know, one of the things we've done here is we've really invested heavily in our tuition reimbursement program. You know, folks here, we pay for 80% of all their coursework, whatever they want to take, wherever they want to take it. We have programs on our campus where you can get your GED, you can get your bachelor's, or you can get your master's. And it's something, you know, I believe strongly in helping folks that way. We will return to the episode in just a minute. But today's episode is sponsored by Airport Dimensions. Airport Dimensions is the expert lounge solution provider for airports and airlines. They can help you increase your lounge revenue, enhance passenger services, and more. Learn about what they can bring to your airport at airportdimensions.com. And now, back to the program. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, I guess, I'm glad that you mentioned mentors and how they've impacted you. I know when um, I interviewed Elaine Roberts when she, before she had retired, you know, mm-hmm. she mentioned there, there was like an informal group that, you know, came together of women executives in this industry, because there are not many of you, um, to kind of help each other out in some ways. Do you feel as one of a handful who are running major, uh, airport systems in this country, 
Um, do you feel like a, maybe, I don't want to say a duty, but a calling in some ways to kind of help mentor other women who might not be thinking of if it's even possible to achieve uh, this position? I'll tell you, I do think it's an absolute obligation. You know, once you, once you have a seat at the table, um, you know, it is your obligation to bring others along with you. That's what a good leader does. And, and people have done that for me. And I very much believe you have to do that for others. Um, you know, Elaine, uh, you know, all, um, good things to say about her when she started the uh, Women in Aviation group, and we continue to meet today, and they've become some of my best friends and go-to folks in the industry. So we're, we, that group and I, we talk a lot about how we can mentor and bring along some younger women in the industry and um, just serve as good sounding boards to help others. Well, as a father of a 13-year-old young lady, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear that as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a 22-year-old daughter, and it's just interesting. Um, she just graduated from college, and, you know, to hear her and her friends talk and, you know, um, Thankfully, they they don't experience some of the you know gender inequality issues that maybe some of of my contemporaries have experienced, right? And so I think we're making strides. Yeah, and, and, and as an aside, I, I've spoken to several uh, Christina Casotas of Pittsburgh. I, I spoke this mm-hmm. about her as well, and I said, you know, I, I've told my daughter, hey, you know, you might have to work harder than some of the boys, and it's an unfortunate thing. But and I'm like, was I wrong to kind of plant that seed in her, or it was it okay to kind of like at least let her know what to expect, you know, and it's not shock. And and my friends are evenly split between what was the right or the wrong approach <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a right or wrong approach, but I do think, look, telling your child, be it male or female, that you have to learn your craft and you have to work hard. And, you know, I think you're only setting them up for a really good work ethic and, um, realizing that, you know, y- you have to put in the time and the effort and learn your craft if you want to succeed, you know, male or female. And sometimes, you know, it might be a little harder if you're, if you're a woman in that, in that room, you know, you have to, you have to, um, earn your stripes maybe over and over again, where some of the male colleagues have not. No, certainly. And thankfully she has her mother's talent. So we're, we're, we're good on that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure she'll do just fine. Um, and, and you, all right. So my next question, you answered some of this already, you know, what would you be doing if you weren't in airports and you can't say I have the job that I want? Yeah. Well, okay. So in reality, I would probably be a lawyer somewhere, you know, um, what I would like to be doing, um, would be, you know, the gelato stand in Italy or, you know, one day I was watching, you know, an Oprah episode, this was, you know, years ago and they were talking about all those great jobs that are out there that you never knew you had, like being the tester in a you know, quality tester in the Godiva chocolate factory, right. Or, or the, um, undercover person that goes in and, um, quality control for the Ritz Carlton spa, like, you know, had I known those jobs are out there, maybe I would have taken a different career path, but you know, love what I do, but in all reality, I'd probably hang my shingle somewhere and be a lawyer. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, so for all your work and responsibility, I'm sure that you, you do find time to unwind and de-stress. So could you just share maybe a, a favorite pastime to help you kind of like de-stress? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, the standard, I love to spend time with my family and friends and I read a lot of mindless novels, be it, you know, sort of the James Patterson or historical fiction. And um, 
And I've developed this huge passion for happy hour of, you know, just being with friends, having a drink at the end of the day, unwinding and, you know, sharing some good stories. I'm glad you mentioned reading because that was my next thing because I've been asking folks as I try to build my own personal library was is there a book that you've read that kind of shaped you it doesn't have to be a management book it could be a work of fiction you know something that kind of impacted you as uh, in, in your career. Well, you know, there was a great business book I read um, years ago. And then when I took over my cor- current role as um, CEO here at the airport, I had all my key manage- uh, key leadership team read it. And it was called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And there's a, it's by a fellow named Patrick uh, Lencioni. And it talks about how you have to have trust amongst your, your fellow team members and you have to hold each other accountable and um, you know, you have to stay committed and you can't have, you know, kind of fear of having authentic conversations amongst your team members or you're never going to kind of move ahead. And I think um, it's something that at least we, we try to talk about here of having those authentic conversations and holding each other accountable. Do you feel you had to apply some of those principles as you moved from one you know, job to the next one from Pittsburgh to Cleveland and, you know, going from the city to the airport, that kind of thing? Oh, without a doubt, right? You have to be able to um, hone your emotional intelligence um, and figure out how how to deal with the people around you, uh, speaking to them in language that they understand. And you have to be open to listening to them and what, how they how they want to talk to you and how they interact. And so you can only do that if you can have authentic conversations, right, on how to be better and more and more supportive. So I think that's that's really the fundamental of of any good management team is being able to have each other's back, you know, because we all can't be 100% every day. And so I say, look, some days if you're 80%, then I'll pick up your other 20 and I'll be 120% today, right? And we all just have to balance out that way. Is there a large aspect of your job that has to be the coalition builder? You know, like the oh, Yeah. Sure, sure. So, you know, I have, so part of the job here at uh, Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport is we, you know, we serve a broader geography than just in one state, one community. So we have to figure out how to build those coalitions on both sides of the river. And then you have to do that, of course, with amongst your own team, right? You have to, you have to figure out how to get the best out of everybody and how to put them on the right seats in the bus and, and then, you know, empower them and get out of their way and let them do their job. So, um, yeah, huge mama bear component, I think, um, to, to this role. And I do have a sort of a maternal spot here for the airport. You know, I feel like it is one of my, one of my babies. Excellent. So my last question, Candice, for you is, sure. um, would love for you to share something that people might not know about you. I don't know. It could be a hidden talent. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, trust me, no hidden talents. I always say my best talent is being a good audience member. I will be your biggest cheerleader and clap the loudest, but that's my talent is being the audience member. Okay, let's see. A fun fact that, um, well, uh, a lot of people, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, that I've stalked him around. So that's super. And, um, one little fact that's sort of embarrassing um, given my job is that I'm not a particularly good flyer and I have to take Dramamine every time I get in the plane. I get horrible uh, air sickness. That's not, that's not too bad. I mean, that's just uh, motion sickness. I guess people get that. Yeah, motion sickness. Sure. But, you know, people people sort of laugh when I say, oh, well, I got to take the Dramamine, got to get on a plane. And 
I don't know. Apparently, if you run an airport, you should be immune to motion sickness. So Bruce Springsteen, huh? So um, Bruce Springsteen, what you know. Song, oh, Thunder Road is my all-time favorite. But you name them, and I could sing probably all of them. You know, it's funny. I'm sta- I'm standing in my office here looking at Bruce Springsteen. I was at an event a few months ago, and you know, they gave me an award or something, which is very nice. But they also had their a big stand-up cardboard um, cutout of Bruce Springsteen. So he's in my office, and you know, Bruce and I have a little conversation every day. <laughs> and how many times have you seen him in in, in concert then? Oh, I don't know, several dozen. I, you know, I, I haven't keep haven't kept track, but several dozen. But my prized possession now, so it's funny. I went with a friend. We saw him up on Broadway, and we got our pictures taken with him, of course. And I had a um, we we got a playbill he autographed after the uh, after the show. So she and I have a joint custody agreement over the playbill because we only got one sign, so we pass it back and forth to each other now on our birthdays. And that was like a one-man show kind of storyteller type of uh, format. It was. It was great, right? It was, yeah, it was taken from his, uh, you know, his autobiography, Born to Run, and he just kind of talks about his life and completely mesmerizing for Hover. It was, you know, several hours long, right, and interspersed it with some of his songs. Well, I guess uh, that's a great segue to from one boss to another boss. Uh, Candice McGraw, thank you again for taking the time to speak with me. No, thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks again to Airport Dimensions for sponsoring this episode. In addition to their existing units, please check out their new lounges in Charleston and Jacksonville with Buffalo and New Orleans open soon. Learn more about them at airportdimensions.com.